Welcome to Happened Here. People, places, and the stories they tell. I'm Joanna Lumley, host of Episode 2, Ebullient Covent Garden, Cable Nets, Courts, and Condoms. Covent Garden can be summed up by many nouns beginning with E. Exuberance, effervescence, energy, entertainment, eccentricity, and ebullience. In this episode, we will tell the stories of three people who pretty much embody all the aforementioned E's. The splendidly named Iron Foot Jack, accused of corrupting public morals in the 1930s. The coming out of retirement of the indomitable Mrs Phillips, a shop owner, who understood 18th century morals only too well. And first, the incomparable Eddie Izzard, who made her debut as a busker in Covent Garden in the 1980s. Without further ado, let's begin. Covent Garden Piazza. Giant Haystacks meets Giant Cable Knit. Written by James Rampton, performed by Zach Ghazi Turbati. What the hell is that person doing? It's July 1982, and someone appears to be standing in the middle of Covent Garden Piazza with a thick, oversized woolly pullover wedged on their head. It's one of those chunky sweaters beloved of Cornish trawlermen. It would probably be called a fisherman's friend if that name hadn't already been taken by a fiery lozenge. Stationed in front of the sturdy colonnades of St Paul's Church, the individual is evidently in the midst of a 12-round wrestling match against their jersey. It's giant haystacks meets giant cable knit. The more they wrestle, the more people gather round, intrigued by this clearly futile struggle against a pesky pullover. Within minutes, a substantial crowd is assembled on the piazza, drawn towards this epic clash of jester versus jumper. Covent Garden echoes with laughter as, fighting a losing battle against their own knitwear and quite unable to see, the individual trips and topples onto the cobbles. After a good ten minutes' conflict, they finally vanquish the sweater, tearing it from their head with a winning flourish. And that, ladies and gentlemen, they announce triumphantly, is how you escape the confines of your jumper. Vigorous applause resounds off the church facade as the performer makes extravagant gestures of gratitude to the audience. They're a natural comedian. Within a few short years, this natural comedian will graduate from Covent Garden to Madison Square Garden and become one of the best-loved stand-ups of all time. Take a bow, Eddie Izzard. A brilliant improviser and mime, a skill honed on the impromptu stage of the piazza, Izzard has gone on to delight audiences all over the world with memorably absurd, freewheeling routines about beekeepers losing it when they suddenly realise they're in a swarm of bees, or Darth Vader rowing with a waiter over an order of penne al arabiata in the Death Star canteen. For I am Vader, Darth Vader, Lord Vader, I can kill you with a single thought. Well, you'll still need a tray. Izzard is just one of thousands of street performers who over the centuries have launched highly successful careers on the cobbles of Covent Garden. Where would musicians of the calibre of, say, Ed Sheeran or Rod Stewart be now without having learnt their trade as buskers on the piazza in front of the hardest audience of the lot? One that hasn't paid to see you. To this day, aspiring performers flock to Covent Garden to learn the ropes. 
It is to a wannabe artist today what a Swiss finishing school was to a debutante in the 1930s. If you go to Covent Garden this afternoon, you might well see one of the most famous current street performers, a man in a top hat whose death-defying act involves teetering along a lengthy tightrope strung across the piazza whilst juggling a set of very sharp knives. Don't even think of trying that at home. I would stick to something safer if I were you, like wrestling your own jersey. From Eddie Izzard wrestling with cable knits in an exuberant addition to Covent Garden's long tradition of busking and street entertainment to the ebullient, eccentric owner of the unconventional Caravan Club. 81 Endell Street, Covent Garden and the Old Bailey in the City of London. The Trial of Ironfoot Jack. Written by Hamish Roberts, performed by Stephen Fry. Jack Rudolph Neve, you are hereby charged with having exhibited obscene performances and practices to the manifest corruption of the morals of His Majesty's liege subjects. How do you plead? Not guilty, my lord. In the early hours of August the 25th, 1934, the notorious nightclub, The Caravan, situated in an alley in Endell Street, Covent Garden, was raided by police and shut down. It was only six weeks old. Two months later, its proprietor, Jack Neve, 48, was put on trial at the Old Bailey Courthouse. His appearance was striking hair long and lank, wearing an enormous frock coat, a black sombrero and a metal surgical boot on the bottom of his shoe, hence his nickname, Ironfoot Jack. The jury, however, should not have paid any attention to his appearance. Only two questions needed to be answered. One, had the club indeed functioned as a space for obscenity and immorality, Two, if so, what was Neve's role in this conduct exactly? To answer the first question, the jury heard testimony from several police officers. The officers had entered the club several times, disguised in plain clothes. They described a packed, dim basement, full of, in their words, indecent dancing. Neve's defence responded by calling on an expert witness, a professional dancer, and asked her to demonstrate the dances danced inside the caravan, such as the rumba, so the jury could judge its alleged indecency for themselves. The judge quickly dismissed the idea, with a blunt, there will be nothing of that sort in this court. The prosecution, however, had less contentious examples of indecency to present to the jury. The men were dancing with men, Inspector Clarence noted in his report. Women with women. It's this behaviour that put the trial in the papers, that drew large baying crowds outside the courthouse and underpinned the prosecution's charge of obscenity. And so the first question was settled. The morals of His Majesty's liege subjects had been corrupted inside the caravan. The morals of 1930s Britons, that is. 
On to the next question. What role did Neve play in this corruption? A big one, the jury decided. Neve said himself he was a hands-on proprietor. He clearly allowed its immoral practices to go ahead. He was found guilty and sentenced to twenty months' hard labour. But Neve didn't merely allow young gay men and women to behave as they'd like to inside his club. He invited them there by advertising the caravan as unconventional a code, we now know, for LGBT-friendly. Why did Neve risk his freedom creating a safe place for other LGBT people? Well, Neve was himself devoutly unconventional in the wider sense of the word. He was a self-described king of the Bohemians and modern-day Socrates. He even founded his own religion, the Children of the Sun. Perhaps it's not surprising that a man who rejected British society embraced those who were locked outside it. Neve was known to take great care to cultivate his mystique, mentioning, for instance, to almost anyone he met, that there were occult powers it is best the general public know nothing about. What he gave to hundreds of young, working-class gay people, however, was very real. Sanctuary, if only for an evening or two, from a society that was overwhelmingly prejudiced against them. We've got more stories about the Caravan Club in a later episode. Watch out for those. Covent Garden has always proved a haven for outsiders. Like Ironfoot Jack, a certain Mrs Phillips made a living by understanding human nature in all its contradictions and glories, making what Casanova himself called English overcoats, or, as some translations have it, English riding coats. The Green Canister, the seventh house on the left from the Strand on Half Moon Street, now Bedford Street, Covent Garden. Sheep's Bladders and Pink Ribbons. Written by Jasmine Silk. Performed by Joanna Lumley. A flurry of handbills appear on the streets of central London and a bubbling atmosphere of gossip hovers in the darker alleyways. The talk in 1776 is not only of the War of Independence in the American colonies, but also of the infamous Mrs Phillips. She's back. The flyers, forthright, declare, To guard yourself from shame or fear, votaries to Venus hasten here. None in my wares e'er found a flaw, Self-preservation's nature's law. Autobiographer James Boswell is seen jumping for joy, literally, when he reads these lines, before hastening, as urged, to Mrs Phillips' new location under the sign of the Golden Fan and Rising Sun near Leicester Fields. This may just save him from yet another bout of gonorrhea, a disease he contracted no less than 17 times in his life. 
On his way, he remembers Mrs Phillips at her first shop, the Green Canister, in Half Moon Street, Covent Garden, which she founded in 1732 and where she made her reputation. With Mrs Phillips, quality was assured. But after three decades, she'd handed the business over to a Mrs Perkins, gone into retirement and, well, the product just hasn't been the same. At Boswell's first visit to the Green Canister all those years before, he'd been sure to ask all the right questions. And what exactly are these made from, Mrs Phillips? Made from the very finest sheep's bladders, sir. I have a special process involving caustic soda. Makes them fine and supple. The very highest quality. Indeed, I've checked everyone myself. <laughs> Mr Boswell looks troubled. Checked? How exactly, madam? She nods towards an odd-looking machine. I blow them up to check for perforations. Would you like to see... And so, the machine huffing and puffing, a condom was inflated, Mrs Phillips smiling with pride. Boswell might have laughed more if he were less impressed. This was a woman who knew her stuff. You know, come to think of it, he hadn't seen Mrs Perkins inflate a condom once since she took over. Disgraceful. But no matter. Now, after a great deal of pleading from her friends, Mrs Phillips has left retirement and set up shop again. When Boswell arrives, a steady stream of apothecaries, foreign travellers and gentlemen can be seen leaving with boxes under their arms and smiles on their faces. Rumour has it, a few such boxes are on the way to Casanova in Italy. Within is Mrs Phillips herself, alive and well, contrary to the declarations of her disgruntled competitors, demonstrating once again the quality of her work, the familiar huffing of the inflation machine filling its audience with confidence. She is addressing a soldier, gesturing to a wall of colourful ribbons used to fix the condoms in place for extra security. Perhaps your regiment's colours, sir? The Queen's Royal Dragoons? Red and yellow, I think. Oh, Mr Boswell, welcome back. Your usual traditional pink, I recall. Mrs Phillips really did make the best protection available against sexually transmitted diseases and, of course, pregnancy, leaving both men and women to pursue their desires and, for the Covent Garden prostitutes, their livelihoods without risking their lives. Boswell chuckles as he leaves the shop, True quality-assured preservatives once again in his pocket. Who would have thought a few sheep's bladders could do such good? Who <laughs> indeed? Legendary entertainers, eccentric club owners, ebullients, condoms in regimental colours, pink ribbons and sheer energy happened here. People, places and the stories they tell. Hi, my name is Zach and I read the story about Eddie Izzard performing in Covent Garden. I absolutely love Eddie Izzard. I think she is one of the most phenomenal, thought-provoking comedians and it's just so amazing to see how some of the finest comedy talent have found their way by performing on the streets of Covent Garden. Come join us at happenedhere.com and be part of the community. But for now, from everybody involved in Happened Here, the writers, the hosts, the performers, thank you for listening. Do come again. 
We've got lots more stories to tell. Ah, happened here.